Drama City Productions presents Immersion Rig Now Online Welcome Nerd Now Generating Episode 57 Featuring Horror Comics Movies Wrestling Full immersion begins in 3 2 1 Hey, this is Christian Hey, this is David This is the Amazing Nerd Show Holy fucking trailers, Batman. <laughs> We've got a lot of fucking trailers. Yeah, it was to talk NFL about. weekend. That's right. Super NFL. Bowl. <laughs> yes. Super Bowl weekend. Spoken like someone who does not like sports. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine, Christian. Um, I was watching for the commercials this year, so that's okay. <laughs> I didn't the, watch it all. If the Bears aren't in it, I don't fucking do I repeatedly hit refresh because I was waiting for a Star Wars trailer to drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't get a Star Wars trailer, no. but we got a lot of other trailers. So, uh, one of which was the new Avengers trailer. Some people move on, but not us. It was more, would you even consider it a trailer? I would say it was more of a teaser. Teaser, my, right? Mine, but... Which is kind of weird because we got like a trailer. But I like anyway. The, uh, the dark, desolate city that they showed. and um, fucking... I Like, like how... who would go to those meetings, though? Oh, I know. FF it had point. a very like, uh, did you watch that uh, HBO show, Leftovers? No. It had a very like strong Leftovers mm-hmm. vibe. But Infinity War did first infinity <laughs> gauntlet did it first i should say so screw that show mm. um but yeah no it definitely had that like you know survivors you know this is what the world looks like it um, makes sense i mean half the fucking population yeah. got wiped out so um people would be pretty traumatized i like that there's like no heroics really mm. happening you know and that it's just like these people like completely in a state of mourning really trying to like figure out what the fuck to do um you know, it seems like in the tr- like teaser that you got them like starting to like you know yeah, the, put together a plan or something mm-hmm. or you know come together as a team. Um, have you heard like the speculation that people have been like CGI'd out? Yes, of certain. Scenes? I looked at that, especially the one clip that they're like standing in line, and there is a clear spot where someone could totally be standing. See, what stood out to me was the field spot. Where, like, it just felt like they're kind of sporadically placed, you know? Um, I could definitely see that. And we saw what they did with, you know, Infinity yeah. War, where, Man, like, they the fucking CGI Hulk in there. <laughs> so I wouldn't put it past them. Um, who would you think would be in that scene? Well, my first assumption was that it's Tony, he made it back already at this point in the film. Mm. But, and they just didn't want to show you that because they want you to feel like, oh, he's. Really yeah, they're they're space. separated. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, I could see it being like uh, Pepper Potts. You Her know, in the, the Iron Man suit. Yeah, that would be something that you would want to keep secret. Because she's yeah, she's an Iron. She's rescue at that point. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, and we've seen already footage, or not footage, but a, a shot of her in the suit. Uh, and yeah. boys. Yeah. Uh, who, who else could be there? Like, like right away, if we didn't see the first, you know, trailer, I would say Shuri, mm-hmm. you know. But then, I mean, and they could have thrown a red herring in there. You know, they could have flashed people up on that screen that aren't gone, you know, because it was Shuri. Who else? Well, we know Peter's gone. Peter was up there. Yeah. And then Scott was up there. But, but we know Scott, Scott was, was probably lost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could see them doing some, you know, some shenanigans. Oh, do you think they have Shuri come back with like her spiritual senses? No. No? Too soon? I could see her in Too like soon? some version of the Black <laughs> Panther suit, though. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's my dream. <laughs> People were like speculating like Loki and stuff. I was like, that would be weird to see him in that, like with everyone in tree clothes and Valkyrie. everything. Valkyrie would be badass. I could definitely see that. That feels like it makes sense. Mm. Um, you know, I definitely don't foresee Loki. I feel like if Loki's going to pop up, it's going to be in a big scene. Um, I don't know. I don't know who else. Well, we don't be. know what that scene is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, we have no idea what's happening there. It just feels like I just—they're all in their street clothes. So uh-huh. I feel like it's not a huge scene. I just like we haven't seen anyone really in like full like costume, you know, besides like Ronan. Mm. So um, yeah, I like what they're doing. Don't show us anything. <laughs> <laughs> just show us everyone brooding and upset. You know, like don't. Sh- I mean, I could see them waiting. To like the final month, you know, to April, to giving us like a full on trailer where we get like a, a hint of oh, yeah. the action think, that's going to um, actually happen. Trailer three definitely will have like just a, a tiny bit more. Yeah, but don't give us too much. Mm-hmm. Don't give us too much. I'm so. fine with this. I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are going to go. Like I said, they didn't even have to drop a trailer. People mm-hmm. are going to show up to the goddamn movie in droves anyway. So I mean, honestly, do we need a trailer? <laughs> you know i feel the same way with star wars like people are going to show up give me something though i i, I gotta scratch that <laughs> but i thought like this is enough yes. like i'm good i'm good because hmm. half the time it's a weird balance like they show us a little too much and i get annoyed you know and i feel like a lot of fans are like that hmm. so you just don't want to be spoiled um the runtime is monstrous three, <laughs> three hours. hours i'm good with it though hmm. i mean what was infinity war like two and a half yeah yeah I can go another half hour. I feel like this story, like, definitely... I feel like it needs it. three hours. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if they went shorter, then I feel like it would have to be, like, a, another, like, two-parter or something like that. So I'm good with them just getting that whole story out there. Take as much time as you need. Like, I'm in the bag for this. Three hours does scare some people, though. Whatever. <laughs> they don't, like then they don't deserve this movie, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> They're not real fans. I think that's what the studios are worried about when they say they want to throw in an intermission. But at the same time, I feel like enough that's people because they were there was speculation, speculation yeah. or I, I I have a feeling they they threw it out there themselves mm. to see how people would take do, it. Do, do they want it? I don't want an intermission. No. Do you? I no. I feel like after that last film. Everyone who's coming to see this one is going to yeah. sit there and wait. For I saw an interview with the Russos where they were saying that in the test screens that, you know, like no one got up during mm-hmm. the entire movie. You know, that all the cuts of the movie have been at least three hours long. <laughs> at least three hours long. And no one, like, the, the audience was completely riveted and, like, you know, glued to their seats. So, I don't think it's needed. I really don't. I've seen, we all have seen three hour movies in the theater so 
it's fine. It'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> but what won't be fine is the us. You know how sometimes things line up? Coincidences? Since we've been up here, they've been happening more and more. It's like there's this black cloud hanging over us. So this trailer was even more terrifying than the last. Um, I really dug it. Uh, I cannot wait for this fucking movie. I can't even begin to describe what the hell was going on. Can you? (laughs) No. Because this was definitely, there was less narrative in this trailer. Even like the parts that were like rehashes from the last trailer just felt like yes more intense in this version yes and there was like an extra beat to mm-hmm. all those parts so they kind of played off which is good trailer making um you know they played off what what you knew already and what you saw already and gave you a little extra so um i don't know man and the fucking music and everything that's going on in the background just... i'm invested oh absolutely 100%. <laughs> this is one of my i mean i'm gonna say top five anticipated movies of the year mm-hmm. for me at this point and this isn't too far away. This is March, so. And uh, I mean, it's not on our list, but you know, the there was an ad for um, Twilight Zone that mm-hmm. I thought was very well done. And I didn't realize he was actually going to be the one hosting every episode. Yeah. Do Do you not listen to the podcast, Christian? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of talked about it last week. Well, you know what? What an asshole. <laughs> You're just in there brooding because you didn't have a Christian corner last week. <laughs> so, <laughs> I could have. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, yes. We talked about it last week. He is hosting. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, he did a good job of hosting in the trailer. In the trailer. Yeah, it was a, it was a very clever trailer too. Mm-hmm. Like having it take place during the Super Bowl and everything. And showing like that empty arena. And, you know, how weird that is. Mm-hmm. You know. Well done. So, and I'm never going to see the show because it's on that fucking CBS <laughs> streaming service, so it doesn't fucking matter. I guess. I, I mean, hopefully they actually release it on, like, Blu-ray at some point or something. You know, I mean, Netflix takes forever to release any of their shows mm. on, like, you know, Blu-ray. I mean, it doesn't matter because I have Netflix. And when they do, though, it's, like, bare bones. Because I'm the kind of sucker. Who would totally pick up all like the Daredevil seasons and everything? If you gave me a bunch of special features and everything, I would be buying those left and right. Like you know, give me all the Marvel shows with like you know director commentary. Exactly. I want to hear them talk about those fucking. Yeah, I don't know why it just feels like an untapped like revenue. And I mean, they know what they're doing. They're Netflix, and they've got plenty of fucking money, obviously. But I mean, my God, I would all, I would be buying all those. Yeah, but I don't see why they wouldn't, you know, just have that as an extras feature within there. Like it's something that like a paid like maybe because like what I was paying for like the 4K service for that. I was like, oh, but you know how nice it would be to have like you know the extras section in there and stuff like that. Well, they like, talked little... about right like they're going to up some of the different like you know payment like arrangements yeah. or well, I don't know if do different platforms inflating it like usual or you know maybe they do something like like a, a premium type mm-hmm. deal where they give you those director commentaries and everything like that because like nerds like us i mean we're junkies for mm-hmm. shit like that That's so <laughs> yes absolutely so um yeah uh scary stories this summer from guillermo del toro <sighs> Damn. 
scary stories to tell in the dark. At like multiple teasers um, throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of those? You know, at first, especially since I was just like on YouTube looking this stuff up, mm-hmm. you know, I only saw like a 15 second clip and I was like, this, this is it. Mm-hmm. But what we do get of it, I mean, it's fucking Guillermo to the finest where it's, he's making these creatures terrifying as fuck. I was so happy. It actually <laughs> looks scary. Yes. Like, this is definitely not um, Goosebumps mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. Um, this isn't for kids, you know, um, even though it was a kid's book mm-hmm. originally. Those crazy 80s. Um, this is definitely going to be a horror movie. Um, I, I do love how, like, I don't know, how loyal they were to the art, you know, like how true they stayed yes. to it and everything, like in creating, you know, what we saw at least on screen. So, I mean, that shit looked terrifying. And even the poster, um, they didn't have the Scarecrow Herald, you know, in any mm. of the trailers, but that poster, I mean, looks very much like the artwork, you know, from the book. So, um, I- I'm glad. that they-, they really, like, calmed a lot of my fears for, the, you know, this movie yeah. and everything. I mean, so. if there's anyone to trust it's him at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it wasn't like heavily like CGI'd or anything. Mm-hmm. You could tell there was some practical effects happening. That little spider leg fucking yes. popping out <laughs> of the pimple. Oh my god. <laughs> so and it feels like it's gonna be an an anthology to me. Yeah. You know, right? Especially so. that scene felt like, you know Well, I mean we'll see when we get an actual full trailer. Cause I feel like there still might be a through line where it's all Maybe and more connected than that, we know, I mean, there are anthologies that have that through mm-hmm. line, but as long as we're like somehow getting those separate stories, I don't want all the stories to, I don't know, intertwine too much. Like I feel like they're good enough stories to kind of stay mm-hmm. stand on their own, but like, I don't know, I don't know. I feel like when you have too much of a common like through line, you know, a narrative running through, it might water down some of those stories. You know, introducing characters that don't necessarily belong yeah. or anything like that. I mean, I get you want it to make sense, but, you know, it's okay just to have, like, you know, people, like, sit around a campfire and It's gotta be turned into a five-part franchise. (laughs) That is Hollywood nowadays. With three spinoffs. Yes, and everything has to be explained. Yes. You know, so... God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, what else do... Oh, so today, we're recording this on Thursday, we got a Pet Cemetery trailer. Uh, the second trailer. I know what you're thinking of doing. But they don't come back the same. Daddy. Who's? What's going on? Fuck your daughter. I should never have shown you that place. Your child is not the only thing that will come back. The barrier is broken. Christian, your thoughts on this? You know, um, as a film standpoint, I think it'll be enjoyable. But for for what it is, it you know, it does feel like a rehash of the original film, like too much. Like where I know it's it's a remake, but I shouldn't feel like it's like I almost got the same feeling of Dark Phoenix mm-hmm. um, to Last Stand when I was watching this trailer. I was like, okay, I get I, you. I get what you're 
where it's like I've seen the scene yeah. before, like shot. For, it felt a little shot for shot mm. at times. Even though they do change elements. Yes. Um, I I think my problem with this, I felt like I saw too much. You know, I was mm. okay with them having you know some of the like central moments in the movie like you know happening in this movie like in the original movie happening in this movie i'm fine with Mm -hmm. that but don't show it to me on the trailer i felt like the trailer was trying to prove something um too like by showing us like certain like you know i don't know there's role reversals happening here Mm -hmm. you know certain characters are you know in you know different roles um just kind of flipped around um you know obviously i mean if people see the trailer, they know what I'm talking about. They see in the original movie. In the original movie, you know, the little boy Gage dies. It seems like in this movie, they're going the route of the sister dying. Um, which is, I guess it's a different take on the story. I don't know, like, how I feel about it. I feel like it's trying to flip that role just to be different, though. Hmm. Like, I don't think there's a better story to be told. I feel like they're not going to change it that much. It's just going to be the fact that it's the little girl rather than the boy. See, but and that's for me, it's more terrifying to have, I don't know, for me and like having that like three-year-old die. And mm-hmm. I mean, this sounds morbid because obviously if your eight-year-old, nine-year-old dies, it's horrible mm-hmm. too. But like, it was just a bigger like loss, you know, I mean, it was just soul crushing and everything. And the daughter plays a different role in this, in the movie, because with, like, you know, in the original movie, because she's kind of, like, I don't know, she's got, like, this, like, sixth sense about everything that's going mm-hmm. on. Um, so I don't know how, where that whole storyline's going to go through. She's kind of, like, she sees Pascal, and she sees, you know, kind of what's going on. She's warning mom, you know, not to go back. Well, do you think they couldn't do that with the son? Well, he's really young, though, so I don't know how they would go do go about that. I mean, but they always so I do the whole, like, oh, he's a child, so he has more, like, the younger they are, the more that they are, like, with Yeah, but he's, like, he's literally, like, three years old. If you know three-year-olds, <laughs> which I do, <laughs> I don't think they're going to be taking the three-year-old very seriously, where, where if a nine-year-old is saying something, it's a mm. lot different. It just feels like it's change for change's sake, is what I don't like about mm. it, um, you know. Um, and it, it definitely feels like some things are definitely getting shuffled around. I felt like if they wanted to make, you know, like a true remake, they could have just used the book as like this, like the true source mm. material where there's a lot in the book that was left out in the movie. If they would have dived into those chapters that didn't make it on the screen, it would have made for a really entertaining remake because there's a lot of good shit in there. That they didn't use, yeah. you know, and I love the original. I mean, we still haven't seen the film, so we don't. know No, if they absolutely, and it still looked fucking creepy as all mm. get out. But I just, I, I don't know. I personally enjoyed the first trailer better because it had that just creepiness aspect throughout the entire. And you thing. didn't get, like I said, there was I'm, dread. There was a lot more emotion invoked from that, whereas this felt like I was watching any horror movie trailer. Yes, yes, and once again, I felt like they showed you way too. Especially if you've seen the original movie, you knew like key points of that movie, mm-hmm. you know, was being showed to you. You know, key points of the original were being shown to you. I don't know. I don't know if it was supposed to be fan service or whatever. I just didn't enjoy it. And a lot of times, you know, the director doesn't have a say in the trailer. And mm-hmm. this might have been the case here. So, I don't know. So, but um, uh, also on, you know, on to more horror mo- movie news, uh, Halloween 2 seems to have a screenwriter. Um, just earlier this week, um, 
I don't know the guy's name offhand. I'm not going to look it up right now. But uh, the guy who runs Bloomhouse mm-hmm. was saying that he really, really hopes that he can get a Halloween 2 movie off the ground. It almost led people thinking like there's some kind of issue going on or something. Like, you know, like he's really trying hard. He kept on saying to get a, a Halloween 2 movie like going. Because everyone's like, well, why can't you just make it happen? <laughs> you know, you're the owner of the studio. So, um, but then we got the announcement. It's not official, but it seems like Scott Teams um, is going to be writing the sequel um, to David Gordon's uh, Green's Halloween. So, um, which is a little off-putting because I know he had a big part in like the actual screenwriting, the script of the first one and everything. So I'm I'm wondering if like maybe that's the problem. Like maybe he couldn't get the original like creative team back, um, for the first one. Um, we reviewed it on the show. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a huge fan, you know, of Halloween 2018. Um, I enjoyed aspects of it. I just recently rewatched it. Um, but at the same time, I think I'm okay with like you know a fresh set of eyes. You know, with them it. going forward. Is it them kind of rebooting it in a sense? I don't or... think so. I think it's going to be, okay. you know, dealing with like the Strode life survivors at this point, you know, the three generations. Mm. Um, so I, I feel like that's probably the route they're going to go. Um, Mom teams... is so dead in the sequel. Was that? I said Mom is so dead in the sequel. Judith Gere, you think? Or are yeah. you talking? About, you're not talking about Jamie Lee? No, not Jamie Lee. Yeah, I don't think Jamie Lee gets it. Although, I don't know. You know, maybe she bows out. Maybe she's like, like you know, she does what her mom did, you know, in Psycho, and she's like the first surprise kill, you know. So, I mean, they kind of already did that with her, with uh, that awful fucking Halloween sequel with Buster Rhymes. <laughs> they had her in the first, like, ten minutes of the movie to get killed off. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I remember more about Buster Rhymes and the rest of the crew. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's funny because that part was okay, but then the rest of the movie happened and it was just like, oh my God, what the fuck is this train wreck? What am I watching? Fucking <laughs> Buster Rhymes, Kung Fu Kiki Michael Myers. It was enjoyable. Oh, no. <laughs> no. For the wrong reasons. Yes. Dude. For the wrong All reasons. the wrong reasons. <laughs> um... So I'm okay with them, like, having a new, like, mm. creative mind behind it. Um, Scott Teams is supposed to be working on some other Stephen King projects for Bloomhouse right now. I guess they're doing Firestarter, doing, like, a remake of Firestarter. And then there was another project, another book of his that um, he's, like, did the script for. A book that I've never heard of. So um, they're all about Stephen King right now, apparently, mm. which, I mean, rightfully so. <laughs> so um, we'll see. I'm sure there'll be tons more news to come, you know, shortly. Project. Would you rather them go in the original sequels route where it's more like we're kicking up violence, kicking up, you know, a lot of... I felt like there's plenty of violence in this one. I don't know if I need more violence. Honestly, for me, I'd wish they'd just start fresh, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it could be this version of Michael, but just have him like, you know, stalking a new family or something. You know, I, I, I don't need the Strodes anymore. I don't need Lori mm-hmm. anymore. But I was saying that from, you know, before, you know, Halloween 2018. So, um, well, I feel like I don't feel like Jamie Lee needs to be part of it for hmm. it to be a good sequel. Well, he's a character who's just walking around killing people. Yeah. And you can just tell a story where you it's... get a good, you know, final girl, hmm. you know, um, a good protagonist for him to stalk. And 
the movie does itself, exactly. really. It really makes itself. He literally set himself on anyone. Exactly. Yes. You just get remake that mood and everything. You get that tension and that suspense going. And, you know, I mean, just, I mean, you have the template. It's the first fucking movie. That's all mm-hmm. you have to do. So, and I don't have a problem with a lot of the sequels, honestly. But I was really hoping to get more of that, you know, the original Halloween with the, you know, 2018 movie. Mm. It just didn't happen. So, it is what it is. It felt like they were remaking more of the sequels than the actual original movie, you know, and like almost like certain scenes felt like it was straight from like some of the sequels, which was weird. Um, but anyway, I'm not reviewing that movie again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Bob Iger um, came out. He runs. I, I, he's running Disney, I believe. Mm. So I should probably know his name, but. Uh, <laughs> He came out and he definitively said, Deadpool is going to be rated R, goddammit. He didn't say goddammit, but he should have. He's probably uh, thinking it. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, fanboys. Relax, nerds. Didn't we already announce this as soon as they... It was like... not real. Like, he kind of said it, but not, like, this straightforward, I guess. And he said that it's going to, like, a lot of these rated R movies are going to be branded Fox. So you're not going to get the, you know, Cinderella's Castle before, you know, the movie, you know, title. Ah, uh, that'd be enjoyable. You have Deadpool, like, hanging, like, a dead body outside the I'm castle. sure they'll make some kind of joke. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, so there will be rated R movies, you know. She's fine. Fox and, yeah, absolutely. That's the it's market fine. that they're you couldn't. missing. Well, a lot of people started getting scared when they did the whole, you know, um, Deadpool, Once Upon a Time, Deadpool, yeah. or whatever they did, you know, uh, over Christmas. So they thought that they were kind of testing the waters, you know, how it's that just would for work. Money. Yeah, it's just money. It, it was really just literally Fox trying to do another cash grab, which is fine. It sounds like it was entertaining. So, um, and I'm sure at one point I'll own it. Um, but yeah, no, it really, it, it it's good to hear him actually say, though, they're, they're, they're because you also have, like, properties like Aliens and shit like that, that need to be fucking rated R, mm-hmm. so... So it's nice to hear him like clarify the whole situation. So, um, speaking of clarification, uh, Lauren Schuler Donner, um, who was once the like big time like producer behind the X films, um, came out and kind of like clarified some things that was going on with the whole X verse and Fox. She officially said that all those X movies are on hold except mm-hmm. for the ones that are in the can. Um, she didn't necessarily confirm that. Um, New Mutants is going to Hulu, but she did say that they're kind of fighting that battle now. Um, that it sounded like there was a chance that could happen, unfortunately, um, which she said would be a shame because they put so much into that movie. Um, and they do. She felt like it was unwarranted, um, but yeah. So, but she said everything else is you know very much on mm. hold, um, not happening at this point. Um, but she also confirmed that you know that they are looking to cast. Um, Disney is looking to cast a new younger Wolverine, which I think we all kind of yeah. knew at this point. I, I wouldn't think they would go with like an older guy because then just get fucking Hugh Jackman back. Mm. Um, are you disappointed that there isn't a chance that Hugh Jackman would be coming back? Not at this point. I felt like with Logan was a good end to his yes. story. So I feel like that's a perfect like swan song exactly for him. So I'm fine with him like riding off to the sunset at this point. It just, you know, sucks that Venom has Tom Hardy. 
<laughs> exactly. Because that was my next question. Uh-huh. Who would you cast as Wolverine? It was always my first choice, but yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. Tom Hardy is exactly who I want. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean he can't do it. No, but... Venom's not officially part of the MCU. But it made enough money, damn it. It made... Yeah, the but Disney doesn't care. Kevin Focke doesn't care. If he wants his man, he's going to get his man. So, but yeah, no, I, they're not going to get to <laughs> That's unfortunate, because he'd be the perfect fucking mm. Wolverine. Is there anyone else that you can think of that would really fit that role? For me, it's John Berthold, which yes. you mentioned before. I feel like that's, you know, a perfect fit. But I don't know if they want to do that because he was the Punisher, you know. But, I mean, once again... It's not like they ever used any of those Netflix characters. Mm. The show's obviously canceled at this point, so I don't know. But I feel like that's I don't know, spot on. Well, and you know, with them looking for casting, how far out are we on them putting the X Men starting by starting to add X Men into the Marvel universe? Um, it feels like they're gonna go with like the sprinkle approach, mm-hmm. um, and like slowly build to it. So I mean, I could see a lot of like. Little cameos happening and oh, everything. Totally they just mentioned that would be like their first Easter like, eggs, um, like how they introduced Nick Fury and Iron Man. It's just like a random appearance at the very end. Yes, out of nowhere. Yes, I feel like they're going to be a lot of end credit scenes mm-hmm. or just a lot of like small things dropped. You know, like well with the mutant epidemic that's happening or something like that, just out of nowhere. We'll see um, Spider Man swinging across the city, and there's Xavier's mansion in the middle of Central Park for no reason. <laughs> That'd be a little jarring. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe like a kid with like an Xavier Institute like sweatshirt or something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Little things that they could start, you know, planting those seeds and then, you know, we'll get a full blown, you know, X-Men film out of it. So um, I'm saying we're probably like three to four years, you know, off. They'll be teasing it before then, Mm -hmm. but before we get a full, you know, fledged film out of it, I feel like it's going to be three or four at least i'm excited so. i mean i'm excited to see what marvel does with x-men yeah yeah no i am too i am too but i'm yeah. still waiting for dr doom though, that's a big role though to <laughs> fill though mm-hmm. you know huge huge hackman left some big shoes to fill he owned it so i don't it's gonna be rough you know the, I, do you go with a, like a no-name actor <laughs> as long as he's like a well like acting actor sure <laughs> A well-acting actor. As long as he's good at his craft, I agree. Yeah, he's got to definitely be good at his craft. Um, But yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, if they're going younger too, that'll be interesting. Like he doesn't have to be too young though. Hmm. You know, he could be in his mid thirties. You know, he he doesn't have to be because I mean, well, I've never imagined a you know a Logan at like well, I mean, or something for me. Well, no, I don't think they go that young. But I could see them doing like a twenty-year-old Logan. You know, it's just because of the way his aging process works and everything. Yes, but they I did mean, it with the Ultimate Universe's Logan. You know, Wolverine, where he was kind of played younger. Um, I don't think I want to see that. No. So, but yeah, what about Rick Grimes? What's uh, Andrew Lincoln? Andrew Lincoln. I I don't know. He's a little older though. He's in. A, he's probably at least in his upper thirties. Mm-hmm. I would think. I don't know. I, I I I'm against that. Carl! Come on. Kitty! I guess he doesn't have to talk too much, right? Jubilee! Your favorite. 
I hope we get Jubilee first film. Oh, just it's, for you. It's Disney Marvel. Just for it's you. It's gonna be Jubilee. Uh huh. <laughs> Our sparkly princess. <laughs> at least look at the effects looking good. At least. Uh huh. Right. Did she get any kind of effects in the? I don't think. Did she, was she even, even use her powers in the last? I don't film? think so. She was barely in it. Like, she was in, like, a lot of the, like, trailer and, like, poster shit. I believe that they cut out a lot of the teens in the second film. Yeah. Apocalypse or whatever. (sighs) Whatever. Let's not talk that film again. (laughs) (laughs) Just gonna ruin this show. Um, what else do we have, Christian? Uh, we have some Star Wars speculation. That's what this show does. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, first I'm gonna start with the amazing title that Damon loves so much. Um, it was speculated, leaked almost. A Reddit post, of course, saw a little link with a different change of the name. You know, those copyright laws and everything that they put in. Um, it was Balance of the Force. Yawn. <laughs> you know, My Damon, God. but that gets me excited because, you know, I'm I, all like, I, I want to see why. the great Jedi yes, story. I get I understand, like, the whole concept of the title. (laughs) It's just like, I don't know, man. That's like the most beige, boring, bland title that they could possibly think of. But I also feel like it fits the speculated story. that You could be more clever with it. I guess. The balance of the force. I don't know, man. (laughs) Like, balance is an action. You need something more there. Like, that's not... Balance. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> I wasn't a fan of Attack of the Clones either, and that's your most like, you know, <laughs> insane Star Wars fucking title. So that was too much, but too. balance of the first <sighs> Oh god, no. No. I hope that's not the title. It's probably will not. And even if it was, they'd probably change it at this point. And Anthony Daniels was on Twitter, like, mm. teasing that a big announcement's coming shortly, so people are obviously guessing that it is going to be a title name, you know. Because it is late in the game. Um, with Force Awakens, it was actually announced, like, a oh, year and a half out, right? So, this is late for them not to even give us like, the title, so. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it'll grow on me if it is balance. I don't know. But mm. balance just feels like just a bunch of Jedi's of like trilogy. sitting in a room like meditating. I don't it just feels very I don't play. You know it's not like that. No, it's I know <laughs> it's not. But I don't know. Give me something that I don't know. Well, dude, what do you think about the speculated story and uh we can we can talk about it a little bit. It's where um Kylo had sent out the Knights of Ren into a whole other dimension and they come back from what was called the beyond with a new villain and it turns Kylo, and uh, this was another like this is a Reddit post or something, right? Most likely. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, they came back from another dimension. Um, I already hate that part. Um, and then that it would end up being like them. What they were with another like were they the big bad? I think them plus another person would be the big bad. So they're like threatening the first order mm-hmm. and like the whole galaxy, and it. it causes kylo and like ray to like you know team up finally and you know defeat you know the knights of red and whoever you know this beyond you know big boss or whatever you know big bad coming um 
I don't like any of it. I mean, honestly. <laughs> um, I'm fine with, like, the Knights. I mean, we talked about it before, like, wanting the Knights to Red. You know, maybe that they're the ones that, you know, finally, like, you know, causes Kylo to turn or something, you know, or they turn on Kylo. Uh, but another dimension in mm. Star Wars, it just feels too much. It almost feels like, you know, you're bringing in probably, like, a Thanos-level bad guy in. And it just feels random. Film. Yeah. It feels very random, um, just out of nowhere. I don't feel like it goes along with the narrative that mm. we've been telling through the last two movies at all. Um you know, it feels like it would definitely be, like, shoehorned into this film, you know, just to get that, like, moment of, like, Kylo and Rey, you know, teaming up the First Order and the, you know, Resistance. Now, what if it's Snoke that is coming back out of nowhere? If it somehow were, it, like I said, I'm fine with the Knights of Ren being the ones who, like, cause this, mm-hmm. like, you know, I know, you know, change of heart for Kylo. I'm good with that. Um, but it, it just can't be another fucking dimension. <laughs> something wrong there's something wrong with that mm. you know when it comes to S- star wars like it feels like start like track like it doesn't feel like star wars to me no, I... so if it is like you know the knights ren resurrecting snoke and then you know they're you know following his marching orders or something like that um i'm fine with that i don't feel like necessarily kylo's redemption would be earned because it's really like mm-hmm. he's turning to Ray and them, and I'm already like got the script for the movie the way I'm talking, but like I feel like they would be turning to like he'd be turning to Ray because he's trying to save his own ass, yeah, basically. So I I don't know how I would feel about that necessarily either. Just I, keep it between the resistance and mm. you know the new order. So. Like I like the aspect of you know. He has to beef up the New Order with as much Sith knowledge as possible. Well, yes. <laughs> That's the one thing that they, he, they did have in this whole little thread was that uh, he would be uh, prepared to like evolve the Stormtroopers into like full-fledged Force users and there would be like Sith Troopers happening. Now that sounds badass to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's just, you know, the 13-year-old in me who wants to buy all the toys. So <laughs> that's all that is. So, I mean, just, you know, maybe like a core group of them or something. But I feel like that's what, like, the Knights of Ren are going to be yeah. anyway. So It sounds almost like they're trying to build, like, a half-assed version of the Sith Empire to then go up against whatever Rey is now building with Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And once again, we're speculating, speculating. On, on scripts that don't exist at this point. So scripts that, you know, might Feel free to happen. take my idea, so. Yes. <laughs> Small charges. Yes, all. yes. Just a name in the credits, mm-hmm. you know, and a couple million dollars. <laughs> Half a percentage point or something like that. No big deal. <laughs> I'd take like zero zero one percent. That's a lot of money. Yes, that's a lot of money. That'd be a lot of money. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It is what it is. I'm sure it has nothing to do with any of what we just talked about, but no. it's fun uh, to talk about just, it, regardless. Just give me a fucking trailer. <laughs> do you need a trailer right now? Are you, do- like, I feel like... Give me a lightsaber igniting and just some, and some scenery. Would you be okay with just, like, the scroll? No. Like, I want to see scenery. I just want to see scenery that's finished... Just don't give me too much. Like, I don't, yeah. they're not, 
It's Star Wars. They haven't. They've yet yeah. to do a single trailer. Lately, where lately, yeah. The last two, they haven't given me too much at least. What we had like mm. Finn running his stormtrooper, you know, outfit, you know, through the desert. And like that if was you pretty much it. And remember, just a like couple, like little scenes here and there. Exactly and that whole tr- first trailer when we were getting this new uh, trilogy was like, what the fuck is happening? I and we still going idea. into the movie. We exactly. had no idea. We didn't know that it was really Ray. Who was you know the mm-hmm. Jedi here? We had we had no clue. Oh, there was huge speculation that Finn was going to be yeah. the hero of the story. Well, even uh, Finn's character came with a lightsaber, mm-hmm. and then um, Ray's figure did not come. They like they were trying to keep it spoiler free. You know they're smart. They knew that those toys will fucking leak shit left and mm-hmm. right. Hasbro does not give a shit. You know they're <laughs> going to get their money regardless. So they want their screen accurate toys out there. Um, so they were smart by keeping that shit, you know, under lock and key. So hopefully they do more of the same here. Yes. You know, I want to see a trailer. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if I'm like jonesing for it. Uh, like people were like waiting for that shit. Like you said, exactly. like during the Super Bowl, <laughs> it's going to drop any minute now. It feels Please. like the big, we got the big um, Star Wars event, you know, happening here in Chicago. Yes. That feels the Which more. Is fucking sold out. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> that feels more likely to be the spot where they drop the trailer. Because when is that? Is that April? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's my assumption at this point. It's like, oh, okay, it's coming in April. During yeah. April. And that's exactly why I started looking or, up tickets. <laughs> what's the G, what's the um, Disney, like the big Disney? Oh, uh, D23? Yeah. Do we know, when does that take place? Uh, that's usually, I think, mm, is it May? It's like right before. I want to say May, but. Or maybe it's before. Because I felt like it was before Infinity War. Last year. I could be wrong. Um, It's in August. It's in August. Oh, so no. Oh, that's right. Because they had like. What did they have? They had like a whole like uh, therapeutic center for people. Like who saw Infinity War. Like. Oh. Yeah. Like therapy sessions and everything like that. Like tongue in cheek, not mm-hmm. like real, but you know. So I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah, that that feels late though. So maybe, maybe it will just be the Star Wars event because that August feels really late to drop a trailer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking like three months out at that point. So, but they could do it once again. I stand by saying that these people do not even have to drop shit. People will still go and they'll make their billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I'm one of them. So, but yeah. Well, before we get into the main event of this podcast, it's time for Christian's Corner. All right. Cue the music. (laughs) No, it's already happened, Tim. It's already happened. Um, So, recently, last weekend, was the public season finale of um, Rooster Teeth's fucking Ruby. And, um... Fucking Ruby, is that the title? Yeah. Okay, I love it. Fucking A. <laughs> no, um... R-W-B-Y, pronounced Ruby. Okay. Right. I get it, man. <laughs> you don't get it. But you don't know Ruby like you I don't. know Ruby. I, I, I'm a fucking huge fanatic. My whole phone is themed Ruby at this point. Uh, yeah, it's just... It's just one of my hey, fandoms. Um... But yeah, I wanted to just do a quick review because uh, I did this last year pretty much. It's kind of just catching up because last year I gave season five a bit of uh, a harsher review. That's right, I do remember mm-hmm. that because it's what what they did wrong was you know they focused a lot. I mean, it's not 
technically the worst thing in the world. They focus a lot on character development. But the thing that brought people into the show was the action sequences. And, and there wasn't enough of that at the end. Yes. Um, that season fell very flat with um, having people just standing around, you know, talking about fighting, then having all the fighting off screen while you're watching someone else deal with something. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, like big People moments. reacting. Yeah, people reacting rather than action. Um Volume 6 answered a lot of my, you know, problems that I had with Volume 5, where it kept those great, you know, character-building moments, but also found a way to put in the action sequences that we had loved in the first few volumes. Uh, And what another thing that Volume 5 had done correct was made those action sequences very story-relevant, where they weren't just fighting to be fighting set, like, for fun and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There was like really well done. Like uh, we have Blake versus Ilya, um, which is like super, a super emotional fight where their best friends turned against each other um, and they're kind of going at each other, but they don't want to be one's actually in love with the other character. Mm-hmm. And we don't know it just yet. And it's kind of just like unvolving while they're also dealing with their powers. They're both like um, going invisible and it all ties into their emotions. It's all very well done, mm-hmm. but you know, the rest of the season doesn't have anything like that. Okay. It's just so like, why, why didn't they do that? So volume six definitely handles that a lot better. Okay. Where each fight seemed to have an emotional reason behind it. Um, even the ones that were just for fucking coolness were very story relevant and still like, um, you know, kept the watcher engaged. It wasn't just like, you know, people just fighting on the screen. Um, volume six uh, is... Definitely, I would say, story-wise, it's slower than, I would say, any of the other ones have been. But it has, it's a journey one, where they're just going from one place to another. And you're getting um, important elements to the world, where, but um, not too much, you know, like, oh, this character dies and this something happened. You know, it's not too much big stuff, but it's enough where it's still in very important Was the story enough to carry the season? Yes. Absolutely. Um, I'm not going to spoil the big things that happen, but this is very important to the world as a whole and kind of um, growing these characters. A lot of these characters become a lot more mature because of this season, where um, the last two was more of like them dealing with uh, their PTSD from all the war that they had just been in and everything. This kind of them finally having resolution on top of that. And then we can finally get to the you know, next big battle of whatever they're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did a lot of fan service for people that like uh, Bumblebee, which is my fucking favorite ship of the show. Shipping is when you want two characters to be together. <laughs> yes, I know what shipping is, Christian. Thank do you. you? I'm not that do old. You, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you actually meant a fucking ship. <laughs> so, okay. So I take it you enjoyed it more than you did last season. Yes. How does it rank compared to the other seasons, previous seasons? Um, I would definitely, I think this has been my second favorite season of the entire show. Wow. Okay. Uh, volume three was extremely strong and was, I kind of felt like them, you know, really getting a grasp of what they wanted for the show. But this ranks up there. Then. Yes. Wow. Okay. I really enjoyed how they laid it all out. And I think um, going on forward, especially with... Um, they have another new show called Genlock, 
which I, I've mentioned before, where it's Michael B. Jordan's helping produce it, and he's a main actor in it, and they have lots of other actors in it. They have David Tennant, uh, Macy Williams. from. Is Game that happening Thrones. now? Or it's yeah, like... uh, now that Ruby has ended, that, that is their new show going forward. That's kind of like their programming plans. Okay, so it's airing now? Yes. Or? Okay, okay. So now that they have kind of like a production going on, um, more money coming in, I'm assuming Ruby will only grow further because of that. And I'm hoping as long as, long as they keep the story elements going, we can be good. Um, the only big thing that else that came out of this, the only big news really, uh, one of the voice actors, Vic uh, Mick, Mignogna, <laughs> I don't know sure. how to say his last name, but uh, he is one of the big main characters of the show. He's had some accusations come out against him for sexual um, assault and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, sexual harassment, sorry. Okay. And um, uh, Rooster Chief has decided to cut ties with him, as well as many other anime companies. Oh, uh, wow. have decided to just stop working with him. Okay. So uh, they're not even playing around with that. Yeah, and when it comes to uh, voice acting for anime, I mean, it's a very small, small pool. So, I mean, he's done voices for huge characters like um, Eric Aldrich for uh, Full Metal Alchemist and stuff like that. You know, there's other So the accusations shows. must be pretty serious yeah. for them to cut ties that quickly. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Alright, man. Is that it for your corner? That is it for my corner All this right. week. Uh, we have to get into a movie review because Damon saw a movie this weekend. I did. I saw Piercing, which is a movie that we just recently previewed. Yes. Um, and this is by uh, Nicholas Pesh. Um, and I, I actually believe that's how you say his name. So I, w- I went and tried to find exactly how you pronounce <laughs> his name. I'm tired of slaughtering everyone's name during this podcast. Um, and this is actually, I, I did not know this at the time of previewing it but this is actually based on a novel um by a japanese writer named ryu murakami he wrote the novel that was adapted into the film audition so if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. um which is a great like huge like cult classic japanese film if you have not seen it definitely check it out um but like after watching this movie you could definitely see that you know oh absolutely this is you could see that this exists in the same world or in the same imagination of this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it's very much in that vein. Um, this is a quirky little movie about a psychopath. Um, you know, uh, so I'll read the little blurb here. Uh, a man kisses his wife and baby goodbye and seemingly heads away on business with a plan to check into a hotel, call an escort service, and kill an unsuspecting prostitute. Um, so you start this film off with, um, the unnerving scene of a man holding a knife over a baby. Um, that's how the movie starts off. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching right now? (laughs) Um, pretty intense. Um, you know, but the director does a great job of like building that tension in the scene. Maybe lasts a minute, but you definitely know what the man is thinking, you know, holding this knife over this child. Um, is credits just rolling at this time or no no it's like it's like the first scene so it's right after the credits and everything so but yeah um, it's a pretty intense opening um, but you know what movie you're in right from the get go like with the scene following he's like sitting there talking to his wife and everything 
and you can just try you can kind of see like him holding it together and everything mm. but um at one point the baby actually talks to him you know so this movie is very dreamlike you know <laughs> uh almost hypnotic at times mm. where you don't know what's real and what's not real and um, what's in his head um, so it does have that. I think when we saw the trailer, we felt like, oh, this feels very like American Psycho. Yes. Almost. Um, it, it does have those qualities okay. to it. Um, but at the same time, um, I really did enjoy like all the performances in this movie. Um, Christopher Abbott does a fantastic job as this meticulous psychopath um, just trying to like plan like this big kill. Um, it's a very simple movie, though. Mm. Like, that's really it. Like, that's the movie in a nutshell. So he's very, like, anal retentive and everything. Um, you're watching him, like, plan out everything. Like, going through a full, like, dress rehearsal in his hotel room. Um, from, like, walking through, like, the first opening conversation to, like, how he's going to set her up and how he's going to actually kill her. He's going through all the motions, but the director does this fun thing where they have like all the sound effects happening while he's like miming everything that's happening. Mm. So, um, but you could tell like, you know, he's just that like, you know, uptight kind of like anal prick. Is it all through um, voiceover? Is it like him in his head? Uh, No, he's literally talking to himself. Okay. Like he's literally, it's not in his head. It's just like him kind of talking to himself. But like there's parts where he's like kind of like dismembering the the body and everything like that. And you can hear him sawing. Like you hear like the sawing noise as he's doing the motion and everything. Um, You know, he's like timing everything. Um, So when this prostitute shows up and she's completely off her fucking rocker, Mm -hmm. it completely throws him off his game. And she's probably crazier than he is. I won't. This will be pretty much like spoiler free. um, Because you can get all that really from the trailer. So, um, but it just, Pesh has a lot of like Hitchcock in him, which is weird to say. Just with like a lot of the way he works, like the camera and everything. Mm -hmm. And the way he builds scenes. Um, Stylistically, he feels very Tarantino too. Um, you know, there's this weird kind of vibe going through this whole movie where it feels like swanky in a way. I don't even know if that's a word. Um, but you know, there's this whole, like, it's very stylish, you know, like just the whole movie that it has this weird, like offbeat jazz playing through the whole movie. It's timeless where you don't know where it could exist. It could be in the sixties. It could be, you know, in the fifties or it could be now, um, just like, the you know uh, appliances feel wrong like the phones all feel very retro and everything um but like i think the cars are kind of modern though at the same time Mm. so they use a lot of like models and everything too for like the city so like when you're they're doing these like big shots they're like totally models and everything but it's like off-putting you know, um, it really kind of sets like the mood for the movie. And does and, and most of it you says is in a hotel room. Um. Yeah. Most of it takes place in a couple like key spots, but when they are, there's a few scenes that are outside. You know, it, it feels small. It feels very contained. Mm-hmm. You know, but it sets the mood. It really does. Um. But yeah. So, but it it really is just this weird quirky movie that um is well done. It feels Japanese. You know, um, 
it does have a lot of like Japanese like nuances to it. So, but it's not made by, you know, the Japanese. Mm-hmm. So that's a little strange too. Um, it, I don't know. I don't know. It has, uh, it, you know, another director, it really reminds me of uh, a Wes Anderson. Oh, okay. You know, especially with like his use of Wes like Anderson. models and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And just like, it, it, it's this weird, quirky mix of characters and everything like that. Um, but it, I don't know, the, like the palette of the movie, the colors are very like muted. For some reason but like i said before like the, the the whole soundtrack of this movie is very just offbeat and weird um but it really adds to this like sense of not knowing what's real and everything like just throws you off just enough as like a film watcher like okay you know this is something that i haven't necessarily seen before but it is a lot of what i've seen before if that makes mm. any sense just kind of thrown together in a different way um but um what I will say, like, what I did enjoy about it is the violence is impactful. So there isn't, like, tons of violence that happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. But when it does happen, it hits you over the fucking head. Uh, that's um, good. You know, so it really does. They make it count. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's one scene where uh, the prostitute, and it's played by Mia Wachowski? who was Alice in uh, Tim Burton's, uh, right? Um, another phenomenal performance. Uh, she's like, he walks in on her and she's stabbing herself in the fucking leg repeatedly. But it's not like, I mean, you feel every single one of those stabs. It's horrific. So like I said, she's a fucking psycho. So, um, but like, it, my issue with the movie is the end. It has this weird open-ended, like ending, ending that happens very suddenly, um, where I feel like you know sometimes that happens in movies and it leaves you wanting more and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Where this was the opposite effect, you know. I mean, yes, it's open-ended and it's open to free interpretation, which is great, um, but at the same time, it just felt unsatisfying, um, especially since the. The third act has one of the strongest scenes in the whole movie. There's a scene where this character is hallucinating. Um, and it is fucking just off the wall. Like, great visuals. I mean, and totally, like, for the movie we're watching to go to this place, it's just insane because you wouldn't see it coming. It's completely out, out of left field. But it feels like you walked into this other movie almost i i liken it to like when dorothy walks into oz for the first time you know out of the house and everything to Oz. you're like holy shit where am i because you're like kind of in these like this very bland like palette color scheme wise and then all of a sudden you're in the scene you're like whoa and he does that hallucination you know seeing it makes you feel like you're hallucinating you know it's what i'm getting at really um but for it to end the way it did it felt so unsatisfying because it felt like we're going to this like different realm, like this different like level, you know, mm. gear almost, um, movie wise. And then it just kind of ends out of nowhere. And you're like, eh, you know, you're just like, I don't know. So, I mean, it really did bring the movie down a peg for me. You know, unfortunately there's so much about the movie that I loved. And then the ending happened. I was just like, I don't know. You know, because I'm I'm really forgiving of endings like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like free interpretation in my movies. Um, but this almost felt like you know, 
are you trying to give us like the idea that these two are almost like meant to be together or you know i don't know i don't know what they're going for like it's it's something that i will actually want to rewatch just to see mm. if I can kind of pick up what they were trying to do. And maybe the movie's just smarter than me. I don't know. <laughs> Man, <it was laughs> Which might be, yeah, might be the case. Um, but this is definitely a movie that you can rewatch, you know, over and over again. Probably pick up a few things that you didn't see before. Now, with all these elements that you just said, how do you feel this translates to him working on The Grudge? I have no idea. I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, he enjoys, you know, working with, like, you know, the Japanese source material. So, and I feel like he did it well because it did feel very Japanese. Um, now, I heard The Grudge has actually gotten pushed back. Oh, okay. It's going to be a 2020 release now. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it was anything for like reshoots or anything like that. I think it was just a calendar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'm excited for it. You know, um, I just hope it has a better ending. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, but mm-hmm. I feel like he can kind of interpret it that like material well, um, you know. So, and I don't, I didn't read the book, so I don't know how true he was to the source material. Mm-hmm. I've heard that he was very like true to it. So, I mean, I don't know. And this definitely felt like you know this author's material. You know, it felt like it could exist in the world of audition. Um, I just kind of hated the ending. <laughs> <laughs> So, if I was going to rate this movie yes, out of five stars, man, I'm probably going to have to give it two and a half. Two and a half? I'm probably going to have to give it two and a half. I really hated the ending. <laughs> like, the ending makes rewatching the movie difficult. Mm. Just because I know how unsatisfying it's going to be. So, that there's just no payoff. So oh, without it's, going, it's into, more about the journey than the destination. Yeah, but <laughs> we needed more, a little more destination. Okay. So I mean, check it out. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a fan of this kind of material, I definitely feel like it's worth watching. You know, I streamed it from my couch, so it was on Amazon. Yes. Um, so I, I mean, I, I definitely feel like it's worth your four dollars or whatever it costs. <laughs> so, but um, I don't know, man. I, I mean. That third act and that ending. And the third act was strong. Don't get me wrong. It's just the way it ended. And maybe because the third act was so strong that the ending just, you know, ruined it for me. <laughs> Absolutely ruined it. Because I just kind of sat there and waited for something else to happen. And the credits just kept on rolling. It's like, shit. Okay. That's it. Well, you're giving me something really to be excited <laughs> for. <dude. laughs> Sorry. Man. Sorry. But I'd be, I would be interested in hearing your opinion on okay. it. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's something that you watch with the girlfriend. No, I'll probably watch that alone. Yeah. <laughs> Wait for me to go to work. <laughs> so, but all right. Well, that's going to do it for my corner, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dan, we've got to go on to comics. All right. So this week we're going to get into some Avengers with Avengers number 14. That's right. We got a whole lot of fucking vampires yes. this week, right? <laughs> Uh, the War of Vampires begins. Transylvania is burning as Vampire Civil War throws the world into chaos. The mysterious Shadow Colonel and his squad of undead revolutionaries have one burning question on their murderous minds. Where is Dracula? And if the Avengers find him first, will the Lord of the Damned be friend or foe? 
this was, feel this was great. I really enjoyed this. I, I, I it's something fresh and different mm-hmm. for the Avengers. You know, like I felt like I haven't seen the Avengers and vampires together in a long time. So I don't know if I've ever seen Avengers. <laughs> you know playing around in the vampire world in the Marvel Universe. So um, I thought I dug this, mm-hmm. you know. I thought it was very action-packed, cinematic. I thought it was mm-hmm. very, like, simple storyline that was going on. Yeah. Nothing too, like, overly complex. I, I want to know more about the Shadow Colonel. Yes. I thought that, like, his whole, Interesting like, new players. goon squad that he's got <laughs> around him. I was like, what the hell's with this, like, Ghost Rider, Skullhead, Lockheed-like creature that he has with him? Um so yeah, no, I you know I love the opening scene with um you know the the whole council like uh, storming the castle if you will, um you know and destroying like the vampires and like showing how that like they tied like uh, sunlight grenades to fucking to rats, rats yeah. and shit. I thought that was pretty badass. Um, it's just a different you know it's something fresh and new for the Avengers mm. to be kind of like going up against. Um, and I think it really plays to the strengths of like different characters that they have on the team, like Ghost Rider in particular, because I liked the fact that you know this is gonna kind of shine more like light onto like you know his whole story and his whole background, because mm-hmm. we see that he somehow gets like at the end of the story spoilers, he ends up getting kind of like taken over yes. by these guys. Um, the uh, what's is it? The Shadow Colonel. Yes. Right. He ends up like getting basically he surrenders to the avengers and he's taken back to their base but we find out that it's pretty much on purpose because he wants to get ghost rider it seems like um you have this interrogation scene with blade which i thought was fun Mm -hmm. um you know but you get robbie Mm -hmm. like full of like self-doubt and everything and yelling at his car when he's like battling the vampires earlier in the issue he sees this little, like, demon boy creature. My assumption was immediately it's Mephisto. Yes, kind of fucking with him, right? That's what I was kind of thinking, too. But, like, putting doubt in his head, calling him a monster, and that he really belongs on their side, it seems like. And, you know, like, what are you? You know, you, you are, like, the living embodiment of, like, Hellfire. Um, so, like, he's really, like, you know, coming to grips and trying to figure out who he is and doing this, like, soul-searching bit. But then all of a sudden, like... He's being like I don't know, like possessed almost into like mm. this. Like it looked like the dog was invoking the vengeful spirit out. Like yeah, some I, I don't know, I don't know what you would call that, but you know, um, so you see like almost, and it reminded me a lot of um, the Ghost Rider, the version of the Ghost Rider that was around in the nineties, Vengeance, where I almost like like are, are they like bringing out Vengeance or something like that? Just the style of mm-hmm. the way they made him look and everything. It wasn't, but, um, you know, maybe that was wishful thinking on my part, but, um, it, it really did feel, you know, like, you know, just another good story arc for Robbie. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that the series has been really like focusing on him as a character. Um, you know, cause I feel like we're really kind of seeing the Avengers through his eyes. And I, I was worried that he was just kind of like, you know, a character that they threw in there to kind of freshen up the team, mm-hmm. you know, where he'd be around for maybe like a handful of issues and then he would disappear. But it seems like he's here for the long run. Yes. Um, you know, I, that's exactly what my thought. I was like, oh, he's just going to be a glorified side character mm-hmm. and they'll move on. He'd no, and right now they're playing him like he's one of the most powerful characters mm-hmm. on the team, you know, which is great. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm really 
interested to see how all these different elements interact with each other and like seeing mm. like iron man you know go up against like these vampires and we kind of got a taste of it in this issue but like what kind of crazy tech he can fucking put together mm. to you know take Maybe care of these vampires oh absolutely mechanics. i'm sure there's gonna be some crazy <laughs> shit Happening. I love the fireball special uh-huh. with Hulk. <laughs> yeah, where she like throws up, you know, the car, mm. literally the car. <laughs> I thought that was great. Um, yeah, no, I, I. And then at the end, you get the whole cliffhanger with like Dracula showing up to like the border of Russia, mm. um, you know, and the Red Guardian like standing there, like having like he's basically like you know, basically surrendering to them, you know, for the for sanctuary. So, um, you know, I'm sure that's going to play into the whole, like, Avengers, mm. you know, Red Guardian, you know, the Winter Guards, um, you know, storyline that's been going on recently. Definitely more so. fighting between them is coming. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but I like that that theme is still, like, that story element is happening regardless of what they're doing, you mm. know, and they're, they're introducing that in there and keeping that going, you know, so... Um, but yeah, no, I, I dug this. And I've been really enjoying this book overall. I think Jason Aaron's doing a fantastic job. I think it was in my like, top five, you know, for 2018. Um, so, yeah. No, th- this is exactly what I needed after those last two issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that the last two issues were bad. It's just those were definitely, like, uh, stepping stones to a story that they were trying to get to. Yeah, I enjoyed the issue before the Iron I enjoyed the Iron Fist issue, but it did feel kind of like... A break you yeah. know too like i don't know too much of a break in between stories you know because i felt like both of them were kind mm-hmm. of like one-shot issues so i, I was worried that was going to hurt the momentum you know the storytelling where this was really them getting you know back on track yeah it picks right on up yeah so um next up we have uncanny x-men number 11 uh so and this was a special oversized issue uh, after the devastating events of X-Men Disassembled, it falls to Cyclops to rebuild the X-Men in the face of overwhelming hatred. Thankfully, he's not the only X-Men to have just returned from oblivion. Scott and Logan are together again, and they are Mutantkind's only hope. All right. So, Christian, how did you feel about this issue? I felt like this was exactly where it needed to like start it like for me it was like the author had been you know writing all these storylines up to this point i is it, is it a new writer or is it the same uh, as, um, no this is matthew uh rosenberg yeah so it's a, and actually this is the writer um one of our other favorite books uh punisher yes uh i think I, it felt for me this is the point he was really trying to get to and this mm. is where his story that he's been wanting to write is beginning because i absolutely love this issue. i agree where i felt like this should have been uncanny x-men number one yes this know, felt where i understand like why one. he had to do disassembled mm-hmm. i get it but i feel like everyone was kind of turned off by that book at first because it felt like more of the same um where this feels new this feels different um you know i mean yes we've had the x-men deal with these kind of situations before mm. in scenarios but this felt so dark and so bleak, like for uh, Scott, especially, you know, to come back. And, you know, we talked about the annual last week, but like to be put in this situation mm-hmm. where 
you know, all the X-Men are Man, the, the annual made that feel so much more hopeful. Yes. <laughs> than this. Yes, and just seeing, like, how the world's reacting mm. to mutants and everything like that. Like, how quickly everyone's, like, turned on them. And, you know, they're always hunted and they, you know, but, like, just, I don't know, like, the rally that they're at, you know, the political rally where just, you know. The people... comments between him and Captain America were perfect. Yes, yes. And I felt like that, it felt true to the characters mm-hmm. and everything. Um, you know, I, I loved, I loved hearing Cyclops's perspective because it felt real. Um, not so much in the vein of the Cyclops that we've gotten over the last couple years, but like, you know, the Cyclops that like I grew up knowing, you know, how he would react to that situation and Mm -hmm. everything. Um, you know, where, you know, he's, he's, you know, mourning his species and he's still refusing to give you know um, where he makes that call you know on camera um, you know to the media for you know anyone who wants to you know help him rebuild you know to meet him where it all started I thought that was great Mm -hmm. but then for him to go to that field and be approached by all those different like factions you know all the different hate groups and everything the ones and you know uh, the Reavers show Mm -hmm. up and everything but then to have fucking Wolverine you know coming and bailing his ass out was a great moment you know cinematic yes so um you know and that was like the first part of the book you know it was all cyclops's perspective how did you feel about wolverine's perspective because we got basically three different perspectives Mm. you know in this book i enjoy wolverine's perspective Mm -hmm. i i like that it was definitely simpled down and i like that it's not because i don't know exactly where we are with the return of wolverine no 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 we got to catch up but I definitely feel like we're not here, mm-hmm. but I'm fine with being here. right? But now. I like that, you know, he doesn't fully understand what's going on. He's getting parts of his memories back, but mm-hmm. he understands, you know, this is important. I need to be there. Yeah, because it feels like he definitely has a lot of his, because he knows mm-hmm. Natalia, he knows Cap and everything like that. Um, but yeah, he's definitely struggling with who he is right mm-hmm. now, where he doesn't want to necessarily do this hero thing anymore. But he's drawn to it because, you know, he feels like, you know, it almost feels like he feels like he owes it to Scott, you know, and the X Men. Um, but yeah, I, I did, I did like seeing his perspective. Now, what did you think about blindfolds? Loved it. Yeah. That I, it feels like um, God, uh, Mr. Miracle. No, uh, Mr. Manhattan, like gone wrong, because she he is experiencing time at all times, like he's going through. Oh, I got you. I got you. Okay, that kind of aspect on her is just. And it's more miserable because she sees her end. She knows the mm. beginning. She's confused on where she is at all times. Yeah. Yeah, it, de- it definitely... And she is in both stories, mm. um, you know, the first two stories. But then to see her perspective, I mean, my God, it was so fucking dark and depressing. <laughs> it really was, you know. And it's like, she's a great character where I feel like she was just just underused a lot. Um, but when she was written well, she was, you know, written well so um it was disappointing at the same time for me to see her go but at the same time this was a great story for her to go on you know um so i i did i felt like that added that element to the story and everything like that where she's kind of like the source to kind of draw everything together um you know she's really kind of the key to the you know that first story and them getting you know put back together that that start that rebuilding Mm -hmm. I thought that was great. So, um, you know, 
I, I don't know. This I mean, I'm more excited, honestly, for this story than I am for the whole Age of X-Men thing. And I haven't read those two books yes. yet. I am going to this week because um, I know we've got the Alpha that just came out mm-hmm. last week and then we have like the first actual issue. Or, um, there's another silent one too, I believe. Is there? Because yeah. there's, no, well, there's Alpha and then there's an issue that came out today. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so, and I don't, I don't remember that. I'm wondering if there's going to be multiple different mm-hmm. like stories going on. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I feel like I've seen that before. Like, I feel like it's kind of a rehashing mm-hmm. and maybe I'm wrong. Of things I've seen before, you know, like the X Men in this alternate, you know, reality and everything, and then trying to like battle their way out of it, you know, um, you know, I'm really interested to see like Cyclops having to rebuild the X Men and in this world that is like their worst fear, like this is the worst case scenario mm-hmm. for the X Men. Just the whole like scene with the Morlocks and everything like that, and my God, you know, good shit, good shit. I think I um. The main thing I missed out on was I think it'd be cool to see more of T'Challa's perspective during that sequence, during the whole, you know, they're guarding the, um... The rally? Yeah, the rally and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, well, I, I still feel, I was like, scene. what the, what a bunch of dicks, Avengers? What were you during all this? <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, maybe they're dealing with, like, you know, the Winter's Guard, or, mm-hmm. you know, they had their plates full with, like, the whole fucking vampire civil war. But I was like, how are you letting mutants get fucking hunted down in the streets? I mean, how is this, like... And we already know T'Challa's got an eye in every corner. Yeah, so, uh, so it'll be interesting to see, like, mm-hmm. you know... How much the X Men holds like the other superheroes accountable for what happened, and like what was their actual response to everything? Mm-hmm. So, because that is, I'm curious about that. You know, especially like Cap, because I mean, he did start the Unity Squad, you know, for that sole purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, and they had that interaction where, you know, like uh, I think it was like a was it a flashback where they showed Cap like saying he wished he would have done more, you know, mm-hmm. um, from the get go and everything, or maybe Cyclops reference. Cyclops brings it up. And, That's right. Uh, he, he pretty much agrees. He's like, "Yes, I wanted to do more, but this is all I could." Yeah, it's like, "Come on, Cap." I think it was the fascism line that really just like mm-hmm. drew me in as much as possible. Yes, yes, yes. So um, I don't know, man. It's good <laughs> stuff. Good storytelling. So uh, next up, we have X Force number two. X Force has been framed for murder, and in order to clear their names, they must reluctantly team up with Young Cable and Deathlock. But will they be able to put aside their differences long enough to stop a mutant genocide? At least they're not trusting Cable right away. Still, you know, yeah, it's gonna be something giving time. Yeah, it's it's. But I I did enjoy there was a scene between Cable and Shatterstar that yes. I really liked in the book where you know Shatterstar is not at all buying that this mm-hmm. is the real Cable and everything. Um, you know, so I thought that was a great scene. Because I didn't want it to be like, okay, well, Cable, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, you know, we get you, you know, we're back with you and everything like that. I felt like it needed to be earned, you know, his trust. So, and, and they're just not there yet. Yeah. I did also like the um, moments with like Sam and like Warpath where he's like confronting him about like killing, you know, um, some of the soldiers and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought that was a good moment. I felt like it stayed true to Sam's character because I feel like Sam doesn't really have a place on this team anymore. Um, it just doesn't fit who he is as a character. And it really didn't really fit him as a character in the 90s. Like, he was always kind of reluctant mm-hmm. at first, um, you know. But they weren't this bloodthirsty, you know, that first, you know, um, 
version of the team, um, where this feels almost more like what we're getting with uh, Remender um, in like you know the mid like two thousands. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I I I I'm I'm digging it still. You know, um, the art's definitely not my cup of tea, um, but it's playful enough where it mm. works with like kind of the violence that they're going for. Um, I don't. I also like that they kind of you know gave us the place where this story was happening timelines where they did mention that the x-men are no longer Mm -hmm. you know they're all dead so because i was kind of curious like because cable the young cable does show up in you know uncanny x-men number 11 um for a scene so i was like okay well where is this taking place is x-force still together at this point um you know because then my question is what the fuck was x-force doing (laughs) all this unless they felt like this was a big enough threat you know to kind of like focus their attention on Um, but then they have shown up and stuff but although was it sam was there cannonball was there during the uh when they all uh when they confront uh x-man was he well yeah when they confront gone if he was so, because then he's like, well, all the X, right? In the book, they say all the X-Men are dead. Yes. So how the fuck did Cannonball get out of there? We'll probably have to relook at it. Yeah, because I'm pretty, he's part of that team. So he's unless he was group that shows up at the end? He's part of the main roster of that team. No, not not saying of X-Force, I'm saying. No, of the X-Men team. So he's part of that group. He's on that group with Jubilee and stuff like that. So he's part of that team, that uncanny X-Men mm-hmm. team that we were following for the first, you know, 10 issues. And I was pretty sure he was part of that, like, final battle. Maybe I'm wrong. So that's kind of weird. I'm going to have to look at that mm-hmm. continuity now. So I'm a little confused <laughs> how that really, like, jives. Unless they're like, no one will notice. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. Uh, yeah, because they, yeah, they definitely have some explaining to do mm-hmm. that. So, uh, but yeah, no, um, I've been, I enjoyed the story overall, you know, it's not groundbreaking, I guess, you know, it's serviceable. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm more interested to see where they go after this arc, I think, you know, um, how they come to terms with Cable, Mm -hmm. you know, and then where the team goes. I hate this villain though. He's very, he feels very generic. (laughs) Like, what's he expect to like get out of killing someone who just brought you high power. He's weapons like foreign striker. Yeah. Like he really is, like he's got a mutant son that he's blaming the mutants for like infecting. Mm-hmm. But you know, like right away, uh, Ahab is there. You know, so we get the oh, return of him. Uh, the other thing that bothered me uh, was the whole cure for mutants thing. Like if if America has a cure, why is you know Ahab need to work on one? And try to find one, like you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't there be a vaccine then that he could technically use on his son? It might kill him, but yeah, you're right because he has Ahab working on a cure and everything. Unless we're wrong about the timeline here, you know. But I swear, Nate, like mm-hmm. you know, Young Cable talks about the X. No, all it being very dead. much felt like yeah, they're all gone and we're lucky yeah. to be here. And I thought that's why they were running away at that time. To, I don't know. Yeah, no, I am confused. I am confused. Because if that is true, you would think mm-hmm. Ahab would not have to work on this cure, that they would be able to get this cure easily. They also, you know, they positioned Ahab as way more of a threat in the storyline. Where mm-hmm. to, to see him now, like, 
oh, all my hounds have been easily just captured or killed. Yeah, it's like, how is this small country able to, like, capture all your... The X-Men couldn't handle them, but your little country... I mean, I guess they're dealing... They have all these crazy weapons and shit. Mm -hmm. But it does feel a little like what's going on. Unless Ahab is working some kind of angle and using him for something else. So, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, some big plot holes there. (laughs) Now I'm definitely going to have to reread the issue. It's a lot. I don't have enough comics to read this week. Um, But yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So, but yeah, I enjoyed it though. I mean, I just didn't like talking about it. I'm really like putting the pieces together. Like, wait a second. How the fuck is Cannonball there? All right. Well, anyway, um, back to another uh, Matthew Rosenberg uh, book. Uh, the Punisher, number seven. So uh, let's read the blurb. Let the Punisher fit the crime. Canzimo's uh, bid to turn... Is it Baglia? Oh, I don't know. Balasia? Baglia? I, I mean, it's a made-up country. <laughs> um, into a legitimate nation withstand the Punisher? One chance does the rule of law have in a land full of outlaws. Frank Castle is notoriously hard to kill. But the entire nation of super criminals might just do it. Oh, this in that nation is like a nation that was like run by like mercenaries and shit like that. It was like a safe haven. Mm. Um, so Frank, you know, got captured, you know, by Nick Fury, and he turned him over to Zemo. Um, is it the real Nick Fury? Yeah, I think so. But okay. I think I think Frank, because he speculates in the comic that you know. He probably was hoping that, you know, they'd either kill each other or Frank would kill, you know, Zemo for him by sending him there. So um, he gets himself captured. Zemo tortures him for, you know, a while um, and then, you know, sends him to this prison, um, you know, where, you know, Frank is just demolishing fucking mm. Hydra agents left and right. These guards are just not learning their lesson at all. It seems like he gave them a chance, though, and the guards keep antagonizing. Uh, yeah, but he kind of likes it. So, <laughs> um, I did, and this was actually the issue prior. I did like the scene where Zemo is like torturing him, and he carves the fucking you know mm. that that had skull into his fucking um, chest. I thought well, that was that's like badass. the elements where it's you know Zemo's dealing with all the politics of what he's trying to accomplish here. Failing terribly, uh-huh. and he's just like, okay, I get to go torture, yes, the Punisher, and it's gonna change my day and it'll be fine. Yes, um, this was definitely, I don't know, um, it felt like a different story all of a sudden. You know, I, I felt like the change of pace was abrupt mm-hmm. almost with the last two issues of this book. Um, it wasn't a bad thing. It just, I don't know, we were in this like total like thrill ride of a comic. You know, those first, like, four or five issues. And then all of a sudden for it to, like, become this almost, like, prison drama. Mm -hmm. um, The last two, um, just kind of out of nowhere. It's definitely slowed down. Like, like this issue alone, I felt like, wow, this is nowhere near what we've been getting the last few. But, yes. It still has the same humor. It still has a lot of... Yes. No, I'm willing to wait. I mean, it's it's one chapter Mm -hmm. in a bigger story. So, I'm fine with it, you know. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with the whole, like, Sister Mercy character, you know, who's the, does she call herself the warden? She's not actually the warden of the prison, but, like, you know, who has this role in the prison, who seems to be trying to, like, lead this uprising. Um, So, I just hope we don't get too many issues, you know, in the prison. Mm. You know, give me maybe one or two more issues, and then, like, let's get back 
into the main event. So, um, you know, it, I feel like if this leads to bigger things, I'm fine with it. But I can't have like six issues, mm. you know, with Frank, you know, in handcuffs, you know, beating the shit off fucking Hydra guards. So, um, but I feel like I trust, you know, Rosenberg at this point. You know, with everything that he did with those first five issues of Punisher, where you know he won't keep it at this like you know slow pace for long. So yeah, it's been a thrill ride from start to finish. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's gonna do it for comics. Yep, and then we gotta get into that wrestling. That's right. Time for the squared circle. Hey, folks, Brandon Fisher here, the host of Sack 'Em Up Sundays, the show that talks about everything and fucking nothing. That's, that's the best opening to a Christmas special ever, is talking about the accidental N-bomb, like, right out the fucking gate. Brought to you by two people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Why are we eating the audience? Join us each week as myself and Dipsy D go down some of the deepest rabbit holes. So, he yeah, himself yeah. in the dick and shit. It's like, Bridge, put it down. <laughs> Pop a dog at one. <laughs> <laughs> Ask the hard-hitting questions. Why do you think Santa did not stop the Holocaust and learn the truth once and for all. But at the end of the day, you have to know who you are. You're a fucking potato. <laughs> You're a fucking potato. Aliens orchestrated 9-11. They fucking went uh, Independence Day on that bitch. That, that, what, that's it. They, they, Green team on that bitch. They, 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 or, they orchestrated 9-11 so that we would enter into the forever war with the Middle East, which would ultimately uh, like, wipe out humanity so that the aliens could then come on in and reclaim planet Earth, which used to be theirs. You can join us each week for more hilarious bullshit over at Drama City. Productions.com. Oh man, we need a mop. It's about to get messy. At Elimination Chamber, it's the Usos take on the tag team champs Shane O'Mac and the Miz. Hey, they calling themselves the uh, the best tag team in the world, Us. Hey, that's what they say. But you know what I see, Us? What's that? On one hand, we got a cat trying to make his daddy proud. That's the Miz. And on the other hand, we got a cat who say his boyhood dream was to become tag team champion. That's Shane McMahon. Now they saying they the best in the world. That sound very familiar. Hey. I mean, it sound like they trying to be uh, uh, you uh, and me. But it don't matter, because this tag team right here different. Uh-huh. This tag team is different. Yeah. This tag team know how to struggle together. Do you? This tag team know how to star. Do you? This tag team know how to be hot and Woo. be cool at the same time. Uh, yes, sir. Hey, this tag team, I'm my brother's keeper. Are you? I told them they don't know, but they are. Because next week, McMahon's TV is about to get locked down. Shane, the Miz, welcome to the old soul penitentiary. All right, Damon, we're two weeks away from Elimination Chamber. What's going on in wrestling this week? Uh, Stone Cold Becky Lynch. Oh, yeah. Knee brace and all. <laughs> March into the ring and uh, sitting toe-to-toe with uh, Stephanie McMahon. I'm half expecting her to show up next week with a like, shaved head I love an it. Irish beer in her hand. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> Maybe she rides a chair down the ramp. Uh-huh. Yay. <laughs> Be a different look. Um, but yeah, no, it was a good segment. So yeah, uh, McMahon came out, you know, congratulate her and everything. Um, 
Stephanie was not over the top heelish here at all. Just was kind of like seemed concerned at first about her knee. Um, and then, you know, basically said you need to get it checked out mm-hmm. before we like commit to you being in the main event. You know, obviously you're hiding something. Because um, we were left with that little like, you know, cliffhanger last week where she was saying that, you know, she doesn't want to see a trainer. So um, this was kind of basically all that coming to a head. You know, she said if she doesn't see it, we'd have to see the trainer. We'd have to have you suspended if you don't get cleared. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she said, don't say it again. And she said it again. So she popped her in the face. So <laughs> pretty much it. Cut and dry. It was a good segment, though. Um, you could tell that they're putting all the focus on Becky. It was a great opening segment, and I think it did wonders for her. You know? I think it answered a lot of fears with, like, oh, is Stephanie going to bury her and try to get herself over? Which Stephanie tends to do. Yes. You know, it seems like Charlotte's going to that heel school now. Um, you know, that kind of happened on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, she did not do that, though. So I was happy to see that. Um, you know, she had her the ring. She looked like a badass. She was taking on, like, refs, you know, on one leg and some, like, road agents on one leg, mm-hmm. um, you know. So it was it was nice. Stephanie got her shot, and then she did kick her in the knee, um, you know, when she had her in the corner. So, but, yeah, I thought it was a good segment. It was, so what came next was, like, her getting confronted by Ronda Rousey in the back. Um, Ronda definitely felt more heelish to me here. Uh, she talked about, like, protecting their you know pay-per-view their main events and everything kind of like taking it from like a business side and everything um and you know but still being like this badass you know like you know telling her the only thing that's stopping me from like destroying your face right now is you know our main events and so it's it seems like they're toeing the line with her Mm -hmm. um they had her like march out to the ring yeah when she was out in the ring and she's like say i don't care what these people are like booing at me yeah that's heel yeah straight heel. (laughs) yeah it really did seem that way um but at first though when she came out she was smiling and like shaking everyone's hands so it was a little off-putting and i don't know if they're testing the waters kind of what's going on here like i'm not sure exactly what they're trying to do um I wish they're doing this thing with Becky where she kind of just like smiles at people when they're like yeah. talking, like I know, noticed that to her, like you know, getting in her face and everything. But she's like standing strong, but she just kind of smirks at them. I don't know. With Rhonda, I want to hear her. Like once again, I I think I said it like last last episode where I want to see the Becky you know that we're getting on Twitter, where she's like cutting down people. Mm-hmm. We're not getting that so much anymore. So, um, you know, I, I don't like the, like, just standing toe-to-toe and smirking at people. You know, it just doesn't do enough for me, you know? Um, not that she needs to get over anymore. She's mm-hmm. obviously plenty over at this point. Um, and then the whole McMahon stuff, that will get her even more over. Uh, I mean, yeah, it does feel like a retrend of, like, everything that Stone Cold does, but it's kind of cool to see it, yeah. like, you know... The, I don't care. It works for angle. him. It's gonna work. Yeah, for him. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. And this is the most committed to that because we've seen them kind of like, you know, I don't know, knight like a new wrestler, the new Stone Cold, mm. and kind of give them that like you know, you know, them versus the authority kind of angle before. But I feel like this is the most committed to that, and most like it's it's been well done. So we'll talk about what happened on SmackDown, you know, when we get there. But um, Ronda like took out two of the Riot Squad. Um, rather quickly, you know, I, I, 
I, I still hate seeing that regardless. Mm. It was one-on-one matches, though, at least. It wasn't like, you know, a handicap match or anything crazy like that. Ruby refused to get in the ring um, at the end, um, but then kind of went backstage and kind of talked shit. I felt like they were kind of laying the groundwork for a possible match, you know? In between, like, now and WrestleMania, I could kind of mm. see them maybe get, like, be the next one. I think so. I think it'd be a good testing ground, and she could kind of say, like, you know, you're kind of in the Becky Lynch model. So, you know, I'm going to treat you like I'm going to treat Becky Lynch. I just hope that they don't bury Ruby mm-hmm. in the process. So, um, but it'll be, you know, a good spotlight for, you know, Ruby to showcase her talents and everything like that. Um, I do, I, what do you think? Do you want Ronda to be a complete heel? I mean. Because I don't want this, like, you know, wishy-washy kind of booking. Like, I don't want her walking down the ramp and, like, you know, shaking everyone's hands and then getting into the ring and talking shit at the same time. Like, just well, go one way or the other. I wish she would just, like, take up the moniker of baddest woman on the planet and just march to the ring. You know, you don't need... It's just kind of weird booking because they're both supposed to be this badass character. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd almost want, like, Rhonda to be, like, the corporate badass, you know, where she's thinking of, you know, the payoff at the same mm. time that's kind of what it felt like they're teasing here um you know like a business person but I, you know i understand what they want to protect her image at the same time but just go one way or the other you know don't do this no matter what, what if the crowd reaction can, can continues to say the same at wrestlemania it's gonna feel like becky is face and i know Ryan i'm just so face. tired of them not committing to like i know i i i I think it's more PR shit. Like, they don't want to, like, you know, turn her completely. Mm-hmm. Um, it just annoys me. You know, let her be, you know, if you feel like she's losing something crowd reaction-wise, let her be a full heel. She'll eventually, you know, be a huge face because of that later on. With know? this whole injury angle, do you think they go to a, like, almost non-sanctioned match for Mania? Like, uh, Becky refuses to get surgery or any type of thing. And... I don't know. I mean, part of me is still scared that they're going to try to sneak Charlotte in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they're going to tease that. I think they realize now that it's a lot of fans' fears. So I, I think they're going to work that a little. I think Becky's going to have to earn her way into the match again. You know, I could see her possibly having to face off against Charlotte, um, you know, or some crazy odds, either at Mania you know, like maybe in a singles match before she faces off. Almost like Daniel Bryan style. Exactly. I could see that. Or at the pay-per-view beforehand, which I still don't know what fucking pay-per-view it is. Yeah. You know, it's Elimination Chamber, and then I have no way. Fastlane. I have no idea what it is. Yeah, something like capital that. Capital Punishment. Yeah. <laughs> Whether insert generic pay-per-view <laughs> exactly. name here. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be something where she has to earn that spot. I hope they're not throwing Charlotte in that match just because. I like the angle, though, that she's the glitch in the system. It's very much like what they did with Daniel Bryan. Like, oh, it's supposed to be set up for this way for Batista to be going against, you know, Triple H, mm-hmm. you know, or Randy Orton. But, you know, then Daniel Bryan comes along, you know, and he's got to fight his way through. He's not, you know, the company guy. He's not the corporate guy. So it feels like they're kind of using a little Stone Cold and using a little Daniel Bryan at the same time, you know, which I'm fine with. Except they actually put Becky in the Royal Rumble match. <laughs> yes. You know, so, um, so, but I mean, well done. It, it, it could have been a lot worse. 
So, and it definitely, you know, gave her the spotlight and let her shine, you know, the way that she should, you know, in the, you know, in front of the crowd. Because I felt like the last couple weeks, besides the Royal Rumble, I felt like she was kind of losing something. Mm. You know, I wasn't a big fan of a lot of her promos and stuff. So, this week was, you know, more like them getting her back on track, it felt like. So, um, and then you could tell that they're invested in her, yeah. which is good. How did you feel about the uh, retirement angle with Kurt Angle? Um, I don't care. You know, I it just I hate the way they're making him look right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope there's some kind of payoff. I doubt that there will be though. I don't trust them at this point. You know, for me, for this to like work, he needs to have like a big retirement match at Mania. So, and I'm okay with him losing the match mm. as long as he looks good doing so. I feel like that's where they're trying to lead to at least. I'm hoping. I hope so. I really do. I hope so. It's just weird. It feels like reverse booking. Like this should have happened with him going into the Hall of Fame. Not yeah, like, probably. you know, three years <laughs> afterwards. So, I mean, I don't know if it's... Because really, if you look at everyone who was part of, you know, Angle came out. Like, did the whole retirement angle. Like, he was going to retire and everything. And then you had Braun out there, you had Drew out there, and you had Baron out there. I feel like all those guys have no directions right now. They're, like, completely aimless. So, I mean, it's interesting to see, like, what's going to come out of this. Like, I could see Drew and, like, um, Braun in a, in a match at Mania. Um, but I don't want Angle's last, last match to be against Corbin. Yeah, against Corbin. That just the shits. Oh, God. I could totally see that. I would hate that. Hate that. So, because um, if he if he is in a match with Corbin at Mania, he's got to go over Corbin. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You know, he doesn't need to do the time-honored tradition of laying down his last match. He's got to go over. <laughs> so, because he's already laid down for him, like, two or three times at this point. So, I don't know. Um, what else happened? Boston hug uh, connection. Fucking, you know, qualified for the chamber match. Everyone saw that coming. Um, interesting team they beat. Nikki Cross and Alicia Fox. You know, team psycho, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I don't know, I, I liked that they had Nikki as the heel, though. She attacked them, like, before the match mm. and everything. Um, you know, she's a fun character. So I'm glad that she's part of the main roster now. Mm. I feel like she brings a different dynamic to that division. I just I feel like they're going to just be wishy washy with her all the time though. Like I feel like they're just gonna throw her in moments like these. Where like it's it's fun here, she's <laughs> heel there. She's... Yeah. I feel like McMahon likes a character like this though. Like a wild card character. You know, so because she's very much in the vein of like an insane character like, you know, George the Animal Skill mm-hmm. from like the eighties and seventies. So, you know, it's just a female version of that, like, you know, the the animal type character. So it's just a complete wild card who's like off a rocker. So I, I I could see him investing a lot of time in her, which is good. So, um, because they have out of all the call ups, you know, I feel like she's gotten the most like screen time. Yes. Which you know. has been good. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, Bailey was in like Coco Beware's fucking ring attire for some reason. I don't know what the hell she was wearing this week. I was watching. I was like, "What are you wearing?" Like this, like the checkered outfit. 
it was just very like Coco Beware when he teamed with like Owen Hart back in the day. I don't know. It, I, and maybe it was like an homage to him. I have no idea. She was just missing Frankie. That's all she was missing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what the hell else happened? Fucking Road Dog. Oh, and yeah. Fucking Jarrett. I feel bad for Elias. At this oh <laughs> my god. Elias had a really nice one-liner though. He was like, what are you doing here, Road Dog? Shouldn't you be tanking SmackDown's ratings right now? <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd fucking completely ate that shit up and reacted to it. It was great. Mm-hmm. So, um, We had Finn versus Leo Rush, which I was actually happy with. It was a decent match and I was glad that we weren't going to get like Finn versus Bobby Lashley. Because I felt like we're going to get Finn versus Bobby Lashley at the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that, you know, they're going to save that at least. You know, hopefully. Hopefully that doesn't next happen next is. Monday, right? <laughs> um, for the pay-per-view. Oh, uh, EC3. So he was on a moment for a moment of bliss. Didn't get to say a word. Got caught off by Nia Jax. And Dean uh, You know, bliss was like completely like flirting with him and everything. Dean came out. He basically was the whole segment. He talked the entire segment, you know, um, you know, and then he ended up jobbing to EC3. Um, EC3 still didn't say a word, you know. Um, not a great match or anything. I still don't believe Dean's leaving, though. I just felt like he was too featured. But he took his merch off know. the store? <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> I still don't believe it. So, we'll see. We'll see. I probably have a brand new shirt after Mania. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. They could do this whole, like, loose cannon, you know, angle. You know, I wouldn't have mind if it was Ambrose versus Kurt Angle. Oh, at, um... Mania. It would make it unpredictable because you wouldn't know who was going to go over there. Because if everyone believes that Ambrose is leaving, Mm -hmm. you know, he's obviously going to be the one who does the job. But if it's against Angle and it's a retirement match... You know, unless they do like a loser leaves match, you know, so, and they both lose. I I don't see them doing it, but I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, that's a good idea, though. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing that, you know, but I don't think they're going to, if Dean is actually leaving, I don't think they're going to give him like a featured spot like that. The only time it's ever happened is when they was like Goldberg versus Lesnar, and they already like had the match kind of booked. Yeah, but I don't think Dean's actually leaving. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Hmm. Like, if he's leaving, you know, if he's actually leaving, yeah. I don't see them giving no. him the feature about. But if it's you know, what we think it is, where it's just an angle, I could definitely see that happening. You know? Um, so, I don't know, though. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck's going on right now. <laughs> it's just really bizarre. Mm-hmm. And I think they're just trying to throw us off, you know? But I, I honestly, I doubt he's leaving. Just too much, too much airtime. Mm-hmm. You know? And he was getting over too you know even though he lost against ec3 his promo like stole the whole segment so i don't know i don't believe it i'm not buying it still (laughs) over on smackdown becky had a great moment with triple h i think it was actually better than the moment with stephanie um you know she could have been a little more stiff with her slap though (laughs) so but uh triple h called her a fraud basically after she kind of talked shit like he was about to leave the ring um you know, she asked, how's Stephanie doing? So I, I like that part. I was like, mm. okay, this is more what I want, you know, from her. Um, you know, uh, he got in the ring and, you know, he said, I, I, you know, I didn't see it before, but now I see it, you know. And he basically called her out saying that, 
you know, you don't want to get treated because you want to be the martyr, you know, you want to get suspended because you actually are scared to face Rhonda, um, and then called her a fraud, and then she popped him. <laughs> so it was a nice moment and everything like that, you know, they had to, you know, she smirked, of course, you know, at the end, after, like, standing toe-to-toe with him, um, and, you know, walked off, so it was a good moment, it was a good moment, so I, I like that she seems to be, you know, I feel like she's going to be like that vigilante on the show where she'll just be popping up, you know, mm. in little spots here and there and everything. Very much like how Stone Cold, like, kind of like, you yes, know. like how Stone Cold is, not like how Finn Balor has been. Yes, yes. <laughs> where Stone Cold, you know, would pop up, stun people, and then, you know, run off and get chased off. So I like to see more of that actually attack people that'd be fun to see her just randomly put people into disarmor yeah so she's definitely i mean she's working that leg angle hard right now mm-hmm. that she's injured and everything um you know she looks like a badass with the leg brace on the knee brace so <laughs> um but yeah then uh what else happened oh before that charlotte was in the ring and <sighs> charlotte is a heel i like charlotte is a heel but i hate this thing that she does where she talks over it drives me nuts. It's very much what Stephanie does. Mm. You know, she tries to like overpower you by being louder. Um, it's nice that they're allowing her to improv because that's definitely what's happening. But um, I don't know. It's too much. They need to pull it back. You know, it's you're not helping the angle. You know, you're supposed to be trying to get someone over. You know, especially in the position that Charlotte is in right now mm. with the angles. So. I don't understand, you know, why they're kind of giving her that much free range. So, um, the club lost to, you know, Nakamura and Rusev. They need to leave. It's it's done. (laughs) It's just done. Just go. I don't know what their contract status is or anything like that, but every time they show up, you know, it, it, it only takes a week for them, you know, for me to be disappointed with what, what they're doing again. Yeah, not an hour. Yeah. I'd rather have them just be completely off, you know, camera mm-hmm. if they're going to just treat them like this. So, um, Usos, man, they can do a fucking awesome promo. I love their promos. They really, I mean, they've really found something and they've been doing it since they like originally turned heel a couple years back. But when they give them enough time and everything, they put together really good promos. So, but yeah, no, they're going to be facing against McMahon and Miz, and I could care less, unfortunately. McMahon. Is that what they're calling them? I saw a hashtag McMiz. Oh, God. I hope not. That's awful. <laughs> what was, oh, Miz in the big show? It was like Miz show or something yes. like that? Oh, God. They used to do that for all, anything that was big show, they always throw show. Jer- Jera show, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> That's awful. Uh, Mustafa Ali and Ornan had a really good match. Uh, great R- RKO. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, they're definitely behind Mustafa Ali. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the crowd is buying into it yet, though. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Because um, Daniel Bryan still does not have an opponent opponent for uh, WrestleMania at this point. You know, I don't see a clear opponent for him. Joe fucking attacks everyone. He's great. <laughs> you know, um, he's still my you know dark horse. But, uh, you know, he was choking everyone out, you know, throughout the entire fucking night, which was fantastic. So, um, was it? And then uh, I think it was Jeff Hardy versus Daniel Bryan. 
in the main event. Mm. But, you know, it ended up being a schmazz at the end, and, and um, I didn't really care for it. You know, it, it was nice to see everyone came out eventually, so that was okay, but it was definitely one of those finishes you could was, see coming a, a mile away. I was waiting to hear if there was going to be anything from Luke Harper because he made, like, tweets saying, you know, hey, it's Tuesday, you know what that means, and stuff like that. Was oh, like, so oh. he's teasing shit? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like it, it's only a like, I don't know. I feel like it's only a matter of time before he shows up, honestly. So. If not at the pay-per-view to help Brian. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. In the chamber? Mm-hmm. I could see that happening. So, last minute. Same same type ending. Hopefully not waiting there for 30 seconds before actually fighting. Yeah. <laughs> no, he'll come through the floor or something uh-huh. stupid. So, whatever. I, I love those... T- two together you know harper and Rollins. so mm. i'm fine with it it only makes sense you know give daniel like a bigger entourage and everything so um we have some AEW news yes uh they had a big ticket announcement today mm-hmm. uh, and what do they call it like ro- roster announcement too it was something they were calling I mean... it it was weird <laughs> it was weird but i mean i watched some of it it was very like clunky, mm-hmm. you know. I, it felt they're very getting, indie. They're for new. What they're, going for. they're new at this too, though. Mm. They don't have like the production team put together like WWE does or anything like that. But yeah, it just felt very like you know, like the mic went out when like uh, Kenny spoilers Kenny showed up um, at the end when he was doing his little goodbye and everything. It just. I don't know. They need to work out those kinks. It was happening the whole time I was watching. Was it? The okay. Was just like they kept switching microphones too, so it was like um, whoever was doing sound would have to like quickly adjust to a different microphone, and that just feels like stuff that's like I don't know, bush league. Like I feel like you could definitely like mm. that's something you should be able to figure out. Like you should be able to find or a decent the day before. Yes, or like or you should be able to find decent sound people. Yeah, I don't you know. know. So, I'm, but they'll get there. They'll get there, I'm sure. So they've got plenty of money behind mm. them. So I feel like that's something that they won't like be cheap on. I would hope, um, you know, because it does make them feel small time when that shit happens. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it. We got Omega, you know. We got the Lucha Brothers attacking mm-hmm. the Young Bucks. Um, so it seems like they're definitely gonna have a match, you know, at Double or Nothing. Um, you know, and then uh, yeah, Omega and Jericho went at it. Yeah. Um, pull apart at the end. Yeah, pull apart at the end. So, um, who else do we get? We uh, they they announced a partnership with AAA today. Yes. So um, that will help them definitely fill in some of those blanks in the roster. I feel like um, they should have a def- like a big presence. I feel like at mm-hmm. Double or Nothing because um, they definitely need more wrestlers at this <laughs> point. Uh, the tag team, the best friends, you know, signed. Um, who else did we get? Um, SEU had a pretty much open challenge to oh, um, the Chinese uh, company. Oh, That's okay. Attached, so they'll probably be facing someone from that company as well. Okay. Yeah, so I mean the card's shaping up and the, the, the tickets go on sale Monday. Yes. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see if they have another instant sellout again. Be if they want to ship us out there, you know. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we'll review the show for free. Exactly. <laughs> no problem, guys. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. I mean, it definitely, it was cool seeing Omega out there and everything. He's Nate. He is, like, officially an executive, like, vice president. I wish they would kind of keep that stuff behind the scenes. Like, I mean, it's fine if everyone knows, mm. but I wish they wouldn't, like, I, I wish they would just kayfabe it a little. 
you know, because I think storyline-wise, it gets a little messy to have all these, like, I feel know, like once upper management. I feel like they're going to feel like the authority. I feel like once production starts going through, they're not going to be using those titles, at least. I hope so. I hope they, like, keep it out of the storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that, you know, maybe, like, keep it, like, tongue-in-cheek or something. So I um, did, like, um, Cody does keep uh, seeming to put an emphasis on this will be the most, like, sports... Um, orientated orientated uh, wrestling show I, I think that's interesting yeah. especially uh, there was rumors about uh, was it who there was a Fox that picked up WWE for SmackDown yes and like they're um, gonna have like an after show going on they want it to be more sports orientated exactly. too they want it to be filmed like a sporting event mm. and they don't they want all the ha ha almost like um, football style yeah. for it so they don't, don't want to do like mcmahon's variety show mm-hmm. you know in between the matches and everything so i it definitely feels like they're going that route and i think there's like incentives like it is rate like they want higher ratings out of them so they can't just coast mm-hmm. so they're gonna have to do so i i'm interested because they also announced the superstar shakeup. um i think i don't have the data from me it's like uh, mid-april it was, yeah it was mid-april so um you know, and they do it like right as AEW is doing their whole press thing, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was funny. But uh, they, uh, I feel like there's going to be a lot of like major stars moving to SmackDown now, so I could definitely see them. You know, because they're going to they need the ratings. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it like it's not. I think it's a billion dollar you know contract they have, but they don't necessarily get all of it if they don't perform. They have to. So McMahon needs to grab that brass ring, right? <laughs> Actually book a decent show. It would be nice if they had it was Seth and Styles running SmackDown. You mean like it, the whole show is like based around those two? Mm. Yeah, I could I, I would love it. I don't you know, I don't know if they go that route. You know, I could see them trying to put like someone like, you know, not that he's wrestling at this point, but like Roman Reigns, like a bigger name over there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it'd be nice to see like them, you know, have it be like, you know, Seth Daniel Bryan, but really, you have AJ and Daniel Bryan on the show right now. It's not performing well in the ratings, so mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens now. And also, you know, when they were talking about, I guess there was some kind of like TV, you know, summit or something, whatever they call those things. But um, the Fox people are talking about there, there's still a possibility too that you'll see other WWE shows on Fox mm-hmm. that won't just be SmackDown. So I'm wondering if you'll get like a 205 Live over there or if NXT. you'll get an NXT over there. So, because I think NXT, I'd, I'd be interesting, interested to see like NXT mm-hmm. like actually compete on fair like, you know, playing ground. ground. Like, three. yeah, like, you know, how they would do ratings wise. I feel like they would change it a lot though. NXT? Yeah. I think NXT is actually the model that they're looking for over on Fox, though. Well, yes, but I feel like Vince would start changing it. But if he knows that... If he knows that this is what they're looking for and everything... I mean, money talks with McMahon, mm. so I don't know if he would, you know... Agree, ...mess agree. with it too much. I feel like SmackDown's gonna change more. Because mm. of everything. You know, because of that contract. It, it should. I'm, I'm interested in seeing it SmackDown's definitely more of the wrestling-orientated show anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, you get more in-ring action. And I don't feel like it's just because of the two-hour, you know, 
no. um, runtime. I Absolutely feel like it's not. just, I feel like it's, you know, they, like, they let the wrestlers wrestle. You know, they spend more time angle-wise on Raw. So, and that's not just because of the three hours, just because McMahon cares more about Raw. Hmm. So, we'll see if his love shifts now, you know, with the money. I feel like it's going to. <laughs> so... Uh, is that going to do it for wrestling? Well, yeah, it's going to do it for wrestling and the show, Dale. All right, man. But before we go, we got some shout outs to some podcasts that we think you should be listening to um, when you get done listening to us, of course. Yes. <laughs> uh, first up, we got two new stablemates for the DCP network. Um, first up is Zero Fucks Given Podcast. Zero Fucks Given, the podcast where we discuss real life shenanigans your mama was too shy to talk about. And you can head over to a Drama City Productions and check them out. Um, next up, we've got Heavyweight Chumps Podcast. The pop culture and pro wrestling podcast from Fat Fellas. Our co-hosts are vets of pro wrestling whose opinions are understated as a chair shot. And once again, they're new stablemates of the DCP. So go ahead and give them a listen. Uh Next up, we have the Bang Radio Hour. NFL football is a funny game. Hilarious, in fact. Don't believe me? Listen to the Bang Radio Hour podcast and have a laugh. Uh, last but not least, Dumb and Busted, a true crime comedy podcast that brings you stories of insane stupidity and exceptional genius. So yeah, so go ahead and give them a listen and also check us out over at Drama City Productions. Yes, head over to dramacityproductions.com to hear us and all of our stablemates uh, it's a fucking great time, so definitely check us out. That's right. You could also hear us over on Podbean, iTunes, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, we're not going to try and name them all this week. No, Thank fuck that. Christ. <laughs> uh, other than that, we're on social media. We're on every fucking social media. We're yes. on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, yes. Definitely check us out. Uh, we definitely post different things in different areas. Yes, we try to keep you up to date with all the nerd news that's exactly. happening. Um, but yeah, so give us a follow. We're definitely worth a follow, if you will. And while you're at it, head over to any of those platforms that we were just talking about. Go ahead, give us a rate, give us a review, subscribe, yes. help us out, people, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Make this worthwhile, at least. Show us some love. All right, if you enjoy the show. If not, stop listening. Hey, if you really enjoy the show, you can get our logo on a shirt. That's right, we've got fucking merch. Yes. <laughs> You could rock your very own Amazing Nerd Show shirt. Okay? Yes. Or mug. Or pillow. Yes. Or clock. Or tote bag. Tote bag. Whatever. Wherever the fuck, you know, get you off, flag. right? Exactly. <laughs> get your nerd on, people. Uh, I mean, if you do, take a fucking picture with it. We'd love to see it. Yes, that's right. And uh, where can you get that merch, Christian? Oh, on Tee Public. That's right. You know you know the place. So, Tee Public. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, um, what are we listening to right now? Right now we're listening to fucking Greg Brebner. He made us a new track That's and we right. threw it in. That's right. So uh, our house DJ, Greg Brebner, you can check him out over on SoundCloud where you can get this very track you're listening to right now without our stupid voices over it. <laughs> um, and then you could go ahead and follow him on you Instagram. You make shit your ringtone. That's right. All right. Um, and at the beginning of the show, you heard... Them Guilty Aces. So, and they are a Chicagoland area band, uh, an awesome rockabilly group. Uh, they're constantly playing shows if you live around the Chicagoland area. Um, and they've got uh, plenty of albums to check out over on iTunes. And you can also see some of their music videos on YouTube. Yes. So that's going to do it for the show. That's it, man. All right. My name is Chris. My name is David. And that's the amazing Chris show. Mm -hmm.
This has been a Drama City production. Many actors enjoy performing their own stunts. Yes. Do you do all your own acting? If there's sex scenes, I do them. Yes. That's where the craft is. Yeah. It's key, uh, key to a good marriage. Did you guys get any notes from the studio to sew Eddie's mouth shut, make lasers shoot from his eyes? I, you know, I didn't, but I thought it'd be a great idea. As no. a story, it totally makes sense. 100%. Always. 100%.